Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Browns do get knocked down. Whether they get back up is anybody's guess. This is a huge game. It's just week two of the NFL season. They got the Cincinnati Bengals and all morning long. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin here on ESPN Radio, ESPN News. All of our fellas talking football, including Key. And Jay, Damian Woody joined us. Adam Schefter will be here at 845 on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. Kirk Herbstreit will be here in nine minutes to talk about the Big Ten. But brass tacks, everybody that's talked about the Browns this morning, fellas, have said, as strange as it is, this is a not a must-win game, but this is a situation where if you don't win this game, in the words of Damian Woody, I think he called it key a DEFCON 1 situation if a first-year coach goes 0-2. That's where they've got it. Well, it's a first-year coach going on two in this situation. First-year coaches have gone on two before. All the time. And all the time and survived and gone on to win Super Bowls. Yeah. But I, I, not necessarily that year to the Super Bowl, but in their careers. In this situation, because of the talent that they've assembled in the constant change – in leadership, in quiet coming out of Cleveland this past summer or training camp, we expect for them to be better because it's like you're starting to run out of excuses as to when are you finally going to click. So going on to and then dropping, I understand dropping Baltimore, got it. Cincinnati's not a good football team. They may give you a tease here or there, show you a flash here or there, and make you think that they're good at the end. They're not good. You're better than them on paper, and you're more talented than them right now. There's no way you should lose to Cincinnati. And if Baker Mayfield and his cast of characters go out there and drop this one tonight, then you certainly will hear Friday morning, or better yet, late into Thursday night on local radios in Cleveland, I'm sure, going nuts, and then nationally on Friday going apes on them that at this point it's time to start looking to do something majorly different with everybody on the team. I'm just curious how Baker's going to come out and play in this game. And, you know, we talked a lot about OBJ wanting to be moved. But if you look at the way that this team can actually run the football with Chubbs and with Hunt, like they have all the ability in the world. It comes down to how is Baker Mayfield? And if in a divisional rival, if the Cincinnati Bengals get the best of him, if a rookie quarterback gets the best of Baker Mayfield. In his second career start. In his second career start, implosion will occur. It'll be very interesting to see what happens. So we know Baker right now is on the precipice here. Burrow's just starting. One guy there's absolutely no doubts about, of course, is Aaron Rodgers, who basically said he was reinvigorated after the Jordan Love move, and he played outstanding four touchdown passes, rolling over the division rival Vikings on Sunday. Key was on NFL Live, as it will be again today. He was on the show yesterday. We look forward to seeing you this afternoon on ESPN. He's out there with Dan Orlovsky, our uh, ESPN NFL analyst, 12-year NFL quarterback. Yeah. And you guys are having a little bit of a discussion on the show yesterday. And Orlovsky essentially said about Aaron Rodgers that his accuracy and anticipation on Sunday against the Vikings was the best that Orlovsky has seen in a half decade, showing that he's really in sync with his wide receivers. That's some incredible praise. Aaron Rodgers responded to Orlovsky's comments. I saw Dan say something about the best game I've had in five years. I think that's an exaggerated take with all due respect to Dan. I've known Dan for a long time. We are roommates back in 2004 at the Elite 11 quarterback campus. We were both uh, college kids. Um, played against him a few times. I have a lot of love for, for Dan. I think he does a great job on TV. But, uh, you know, I think uh, some of his takes may be a slightly exaggerated at times. 
real quick that you don't know what happens. Yeah, Elite 11 is where the stud high school prospects come together. Top quarterbacks. Right, their first step on the journey. Um, So Aaron seemed to throw a little cold water on it. Um, Key, was it Rodgers' best game in five years? No, but I like, no. I like the way that Rodgers give him a little... You know, he's just he's real We're tight, but real slick. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, eleven. You know, lead eleven. I'm still playing while you're giving exaggerated takes on television. Aaron, I got you. But look, Dan has watched a lot of film and studied a lot of quarterbacks over time. He certainly has an opinion to what he's seen, and and rightfully so. I personally don't think that that's Aaron Rodgers' best game of the last five years. Now, what Dan is looking at that makes him say that, I don't really know. All I know is the dude threw for 4,000 yards and a bunch of touchdowns and zero uh, and very little interceptions a year ago. 26-4 ratio. Yeah, 26-4 to ratio and was 13-3 and played in the mm-hmm. NFC Championship game despite having me's and you's mm-hmm. playing receiver for him last year. So I don't know what Dan was coming up with that. I think that's why Aaron was like, Whatever. I will, I will be curious to hear what Dan's thoughts are on what his best game was, if that wasn't his best game. No, no. He's, saying, he's but, saying that was his best game oh, yeah. on Sunday over the last five, five years. years. Okay. And Aaron Rodgers is saying, basically, Dan obviously hasn't watched me play tongue-in-cheek over the last five years. No, it's just, you know, I always – Because Aaron Rodgers has been wicked. I, I, love, I love these conversations, right, because I think it really – it, it takes a next level of thought. And I don't know if athletes always have to think this way. And I'm not saying that Aaron Rodgers is wrong, right? Um, because sometimes when you're on TV as much, you do slightly exaggerate things from time to time. You can. But I'd be curious to hear what Aaron Rodgers thinks his best game was in the past five it, years if that wasn't. That's, you know, it that's, happens. That's like, let me know what your best game is. First I'd be person curious. to count, right? Yes. Yeah, it, it happens. People, people tend, you know, for me personally, they point to the AFC divisional game against the Jets. I mean, when I was with the Jets against the Jaguars, they're saying, man, that was like your best game. And I'm like, nah, dude, you, you, it's so many games that I played that was better than that. But they look at the stat line, they look at the sheets and they look at certain things. And I'm like, no, nah, I had way better games than that for me personally. So everybody sees it different. And I think Dan may see it different than Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers sees something different. You know, it could have been a game against, Minnesota four years ago that he thinks was his best game. No question. Hard to believe Aaron Rodgers was ornery when talking to the media. <laughs> We've kind of gotten used to that at this particular point. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Straight Talk Wireless has the full court cell phone coverage you need. Just 45 bucks a month gets you the unlimited plan, 25 gigs of high-speed data, then 2G for up to 50% less than the big carriers, only at Walmart. Savings may vary. See terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. Let's talk a little college football. Breaking news into SportsCenter. Big Ten football is back. This young man is a freak. Ohio State has all the talent. You can make it. You just got to stay committed. Can't just talk it. Got to live it. Can't just walk it. Got to spread it. You can take it. Just believe it. Got to stand up and then achieve it. It is back the big 10 we'll talk to kirk herbstreet espn's lead college football analyst in two minutes about it jay i saw a video yesterday i'm not a big social media guy but it was simply a four second video in the ohio state because i'm not on social media <laughs> best decision of my life by the way um of basically an ohio state player sitting in the locker room with his left leg shaking his knee tapping like you would be there just a few minutes before a game the nerves the antsiness the legs moving, the shaking, and it was just four seconds. It was almost saying, we're sitting in the locker room, we're getting hyped, 
we're back. It was seen more than a half a million times. People are really mm. fired up. But you say there's something here that we might be missing. Sure, college football is back, but there's a huge issue on the table that now. Yeah, I don't want it to be a missed opportunity for the players. And what I mean by that is now the players have all the leverage and they need to collectively start thinking of themselves as a group when making this decision. Because now you should ask for lifelong insurance. And it comes down to every coach, when they come into your house, they talk to you about this word called trust. If you have trust in me, and if I have trust in you, then we can do incredible things. I'm going to take care of you, I'm going to take care of you. You're going to take care of me. That's how we win. Trust me in helping you mold you to become a better human being, a better man. So think about what that word has meant over the last 40 days since all this stuff has been happening. You've been having a lot of these coaches come out and say, well, we don't really need to reveal who has COVID, who doesn't, uh, due to different policies, state by state, school by school, right, to all these different things. We don't need to reveal. And also you've had coaches talk about, I don't want to give a competitive advantage. But then you have Coach Oldrin that comes out and says, everybody, every player on my team has had COVID pretty much. <laughs> Crazy. Right? So, like, there's really, there's really no trust with all these still, these factors that go into it. So my thing is, if there isn't trust, take care of yourself. The schools are making a lot of money. Yes, you are coming back to play football. I know you want to come back and you want to play. Right. But make sure that you are taken care of as well. And that comes with lifelong insurance. Ask for it. So you got about a month or so before they're supposed to take the field on October 24th. Right. Um, so you have time to have these conversations with the universities, the, the commissioner, uh, Kevin Warren, the Big Ten, and other conferences and players across as well to talk about the things that you potentially need, whether it's insurance or whatever the case may be, to protect yourself long term. We're giving you something as far as getting back on the field. Now give us something so we can protect ourselves long term because we really don't know what the effects are going to be long term. Right. Nobody can tell you in 20 years what the situation will be if you have contracted the coronavirus. Nobody. Not Dr. Fauci, not Dr. Redfield. Nobody. It is the top story in sports. It only seems right to have the top college football analysts in the land joining us to talk about the return. Indeed. Kirk Herbstreit joins us on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line, brought to you by Shell, V-Power, Nitro Plus, Premium Gasoline. He'll have one eye on all the college football Saturday, and I know he's going to have one eye on his Cincinnati Reds sitting there in the eighth spot trying to get to the playoffs. They got the White Sox this weekend. Herbie, I know you love college football. You're a diehard Reds fan as well. Welcome inside. First things first, your reaction that the Big Ten will be back next month. Well, good morning, guys. Um, man, I was I, I was kind of anticipating something on on Sunday and maybe Monday at the latest. You know, potential vote or or something that might give us an idea after the presentations over the weekend from the doctors. And and when it dragged on a little bit, I thought maybe they're going to just put this on the back burner and, and wait a little bit longer. And I think you saw. Sean Wade came out. He was kind of getting impatient. I think a lot of people um, just assumed that maybe this wasn't going to happen. So when the news hit yesterday, I was just happy to think, not just, hey, they're going to play football, welcome back, but just happy to think that they they feel that uh, with the testing protocols and and the MRI on the the heart, potentially, if there's any concerns there. And the big big thing was the testing, the fact you can now do it every day, get the results back so quickly. It just sounds like those were enough to be a game changer for them to feel confident enough to go forward. And 
as far as the reaction to that, the fact they feel good about it, man, I, you know, it's for college football fans, it's euphoria. I mean, we wish the Pac-12 would come back, and, and I know that that's a completely different footprint. But, uh, it's yeah, it's a, it's a big, big day for college football fans, the fact that they feel good enough to, to move forward. Kurt, tell me this, though. What do you think the real reason is that they made this decision to come back? Um. You know, I think the first question, what was the real reason they decided not to play? You know, I think that for me was, was the bigger concern. Uh, I thought they pulled the, the plug a little early. You know, I think, I think the Pac-12 and the Big Ten are such different models right now. Um, you know, Keith, from out in L.A., even Oregon, even Arizona, they're, they're dealing with so many different, so much different data than what you're seeing uh, in in the Big Ten region. And I think they're, the reason you saw the reaction from Justin Fields and and the parents and really everybody, the media, uh, it was, was they were surprised that the Big Ten, based on the data points, that they were that quick to, to respond so early, as opposed to what, what Greg Sankey and the others did. They just kind of said, eh, we don't know if we're going to play for sure, but we're just going to keep hanging in there and, and keep looking at results of, of the information that we have coming in. And then down the road, we're going to hold on as long as we can and then make a decision. So, Keith, personally, I was more surprised that they pulled the trigger to not, not to play as early as they did than the fact that they came back. And I, I know the, the doctor that presented, I played with him at Ohio State, and Dr. Jim Borchers. And he's not a guy that's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're good. We're good. Let's just play. Let's play. Because we need to play, so let's play. He's the opposite of that. Like, he would never look at the data and try to spin it in a way that would make it look like it's good, it's good enough information for me, so we're good enough to, to go forward. Uh, he, would, he would actually be somewhat of an alarmist. He's going to study the science. He's going to make sure that, it's, that uh, everything is going to be okay. And honestly, Key, I don't think they're playing if they don't have these, the, the tests that they now have access to. You know, before they were testing twice a week, and they weren't comfortable with that. But if you start testing every day, it eliminates some of the contact tracing issues. I read that if a player does test positive, they're going to be out 21 days. So I don't know if they're going to get through the season. I don't know how realistic it is to assume they're going to get through the season. Um, but I do think it's, it's the right move to go forward and play. Kurt Herbstreet, ESPN League college football analyst, joining us here on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Kirk, how much negative pressure was Commissioner Kick, uh, Kevin Warren under to get this going again? Well, I mean, if, if I'm sure you guys saw the social media and, <laughs> and the different things that were being said. I, I personally, I've followed the Big Ten a long time. I bet my dad played at Ohio State in 1960 and was a captain and coached with Woody Hayes. And I mean, I go, I go way back. I've never seen the Big Ten publicly at odds with the commissioner and willing to say so ever. I've never seen the blue bloods like Michigan and Ohio state. And I would consider Penn state, even though they haven't been in the big 10 necessarily that long compared to the others, but just outwardly coming out and saying that this isn't right. And we need to you know, look at this again. And this isn't fair to the kids. And then the parents coming out and boycotting. I just never, I've never seen that. And I don't know. I, you have to ask Kevin if it had much of an impact on him. He seemed to, to, you know, try to ignore all that. And I'd like to think, and, I, and I'm pretty confident in thinking, I think we're going to have him on game day on Saturday, but I don't think public pressure 
ultimately made him feel like, oh my God, I, I, I better, I better fix this. I, I really think if if this, this new testing protocol wasn't available, uh, the MRI now that's available for the heart, all these different things that they've tried to research and, and get done, if I just don't think that he would have caved in and said, okay, these people are upset with me. I just got here. I just got in my office. I mean, I just put hung this picture up. And now they want to they want to get after me. You know, what have I done wrong? I got to fix this. I don't think it was like that. I think it was more about uh, just getting new information. And that's why I think the fact that he went so early to pull the plug, I think that's what 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 made people so frustrated. Why pull the plug so early when the potential of testing protocol could change? And uh, now it is what it is. I mean, they it, it wasn't a good situation. It is much better now. And now we just hope everybody stays healthy and we can play football. Mm-hmm. Herbie, how problematic is it for the CFB committee, uh, CFP committee, considering uh, all this is so fluid to actually pick yeah. who's going to be in the college football playoffs? Man, that's a great question. Um, you know, we've been we've been doing this since 2014 with the college football playoff committee, and it seems like everybody wants to compare apples to apples. You know, if it, no matter what conference you're in, a lot of times people are up in arms because Notre Dame doesn't have that 13th data point. Man, it's not fair. Notre Dame doesn't have to play in a conference championship game in the past, and I know they're in the ACC this year. And people would get upset. It's not fair that they don't have to play that 13th game. That's just one small example. Now we're in 2020 uh, amidst a pandemic, and we've got some people playing eight games, nine games, and, and some games are going to get canceled. You may have somebody standing there at the end, at the finish line, that had a couple, game canc- couple games canceled, and they're 7-0, they're and 0, and they weren't able to play <clears throat> two games. And the committee's going to have to look at them and say, hey, man, I, I know they missed two games, but did you see them play this game, or did you see them play in that game? So I just think it's going to be an unusual year where you're not going to be able to compare everybody the same. And you're just going to have to be able to look at some of these teams and just say, damn, they are really good. Um, based on the seven games that we saw them play, I think they're one of the top four teams in, in the country. and they, they deserve a shot. So it's going, to be, it's going to be more challenging this year for the committee than any year that we've had up to this point in, in, the, uh, in the playoff era. There's no doubt committee spokesman Bill Hancock is going to have his hands full. There might be some unhappy people at the end, but that's why we love the playoff. It engenders so much great discussion. Kirk joined us on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line presented by Progressive Insurance. You can see him. He referenced College Game Day. Reese and Kirk and Dez and the crew will be there for Louisville and Miami, and Kirk will call the game with Chris Fowler on Saturday night on ABC. Thanks, Herbie. Look forward to it, Herbie. Thanks. Go Go Buckeyes, baby. I said it for you. Good luck to the rest. I said it for myself, Herbie. (laughs) Thank you, Kirk. (laughs) See ya. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin reminding you to check out ESPN Audio at Home by telling Alexa to play news from ESPN. ESPN Audio at Home brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Vans. Drive a Mercedes-Benz van and find out how far an extra mile really goes. From customization and service to financial assistance, Mercedes-Benz Vans are ready for anything. I wanted to quickly Zubin, mention. I just wanted to clarify yeah, oh. that my mom and dad graduated from the Ohio State. So the. growing up, exactly the. the that's, that's how they properly have trained <laughs> me to say it every single time. So. You should have went to Ohio State. I didn't get recruited to go to Ohio State for, for basketball. One really? enough, Did not. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Were they good back then, though? And Scooney Penn. Scooney Penn, yeah. yeah. Little point guard, right? Okay, yeah. Oh, that's why they Little did. point guard, 6'1". Six, six, See? Six, <laughs> no, that's you a perpetuate, big point. You that's perpetuate a, that's a big point. this kind six, of conjecture. <laughs> no. Don't feed into him. 
Into who? You and the six little guy. Six one is a big point guard. Five ten, like you, is not. <laughs> Real quick, he did say he played with Dr. Borchers. Dr. Borchers, I just want to mention that name kind of came out of nowhere. He was on the Zoom call yesterday. So that's how important it was. You know, Kirk is talking to people that were on the Zoom call making this decision. Kevin Warren was on the Zoom call as well. And I'll be honest with you, Kirk is the first prominent person I've heard that is not completely dumped on Kevin Warren. I'll be honest with you. I haven't heard anybody say anything like what Kirk just said. I just, you know, dumping on Kevin Warren, it's just, it's weird to me. Um, because he's making a, a executive decision right. because he didn't they, they first of all they didn't necessarily they canceled the season and postponed it but they really didn't right because it's back and who's to say that along the way for these last forty days like he said they were doing what they needed to do to figure out if in fact they were going to get back on the field they just wasn't really telling us they wasn't communicating with the public that way. I hear exactly what, what Kirk Herbstreet said. They didn't have testing, the rapid testing. They didn't have, you know, the, the ability to check uh, myocarditis. But they backtracked. They backtracked. And that's why it makes you feel like they got pressured. If, if you don't come out with a statement and then say, we will not revisit this. Yeah. We will not revisit this. You don't do that. You come out and you say, this is fluid. We're, we're going to keep our options open. Yeah. We're not sure. But if that's the first thing that you learn from a marketing, from a company perspective, I work with a lot of different businesses. The way you go to market, your wording is imperative. How you state that depends upon whether you deserve scrutiny or not. And this is what this situation that he's in. As he Kirk, backtracked. As Kirk mentioned, he took the job in January. He walked right in, put the picture on the wall, and said, I got a crisis from day one. It has not abated since. Still to come, got a question for you. Anybody want to make any money? <laughs> if the answer to that is yes, Jay's ready to go. We're going to start calling him William Hill. I mean, he's not Jay. <laughs> he's William Hill now. Let's hear from you. You want to make some money? Our gambling expert is next. 888-SAY-ESPN. 888-729-3776. Give us an NFL game. You want to talk about Tiger at the U.S. Open? He's teed off with Colin Morikawa and Justin yeah, Thomas. I'm a golfer. <laughs> as has been established. Uh, whatever you want. Games, lines, spreads, parlays. Hit us up. 888-SAY-ESPN. Joe Fortenbaugh from ESPN's Daily Wager is next. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
Adam Schefter with what's going on inside the Browns organization and OBJ that's coming up in 12 minutes. Now to the Shell Pennzoil performance line to talk to Joe Fortenbaugh, ESPN gambling analyst. Jay is taking a great liking to it. Jay loves the gambling. Here's the deal. I want you to call up any game tonight. You want to talk baseball lines. You want to talk NFL. You want to talk Tiger chances to win anything you want. Over, under spreads, complicated, simple parlays, teasers, numbers, whatever. 888-SAY-ESPN. 888-729-3776. You throw out your bet and Joe will make sure he will answer it. Key, what do you got? I'm going to tell I'm going to talk to Joe. Go ahead. I'm going to let Joe know that $18.25 that <laughs> I won last week, I want to parlay that, roll that over into tonight's game and say that the Cleveland Browns are going to take care of business and beat up on the Cincinnati Bengals and then I'll double down on that next week. So without a shadow of a doubt, that's the best bet I came across in week 1. You last week, you and I having never talked or met in our lives, telling me I want to take $18.25 and I want to bet on a missed field goal. (laughs) So we go back and forth on what we want to go with. We find the Rams-Cowboys game, which had we just gone with that Thursday night game, we would have won right out of the gate. There was a missed field goal immediately in that. But you get two missed field goals in Rams-Cowboys, and now you have doubled your money, my man. So you're going to take it, and you're going to go from the missed field goals and you want to roll it over in the Cleveland Browns. Is that what I'm hearing? Yep. Roll it over to the Cleveland Browns. He said they're going to cover. All right. So here's here's what we're going to do there. I'm with you on that. And you can't see me right now. Here in Las Vegas, the sun's not even up. My my stomach is churning at the very thought of me laying the six points with the Browns tonight. But I've got to do it. Last week, the look-ahead line. For those who don't know what the look-ahead line is, there's some Vegas uh, resorts. They put out point spreads a week in advance. So on Wednesday of this week, yesterday, you got some week three lines. So on the week two look-ahead line for this game, it was Browns minus eight and a half. Eight and a half, which is a huge number. The only thing that happened between now and then is the Browns predictably lost to the Ravens and the Bengals predictably lost to the Chargers. The look-ahead line comes back out. It's now down to six. That is a significant move through the key number of seven. Cleveland wants to run the ball under new head coach Kevin Stefanski. Cincinnati ranked 32nd against the run last year. They just gave up 155 rushing yards to the Chargers over the weekend. I love Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow made me a lot of money last year at LSU. But it's a four-day turnaround, short week, first road game. I'm laying the six as well with Cleveland. But I'm very, very nauseous to my stomach thinking about that very idea. But that's what we're going to do, Keyshawn. Okay. You double down? Yeah. You double down with the Browns? Yes. All right, let's do it. I'm Joe, with you both on that. you and I are both nauseous at that right now. Both our <laughs> stomachs are turning. What else? What else do you see out there in the landscape? What's interesting to you about week two? All right, so going through the NFL in week two, the first note I would give anybody is: do not overreact to what you saw in week one. React, process the information. But just because a good team lost a game or a bad team won a game, hint, hint, Jacksonville, don't overreact going into week two. Week two is where you have an opportunity to make some money because of those overreactions. So I'd be cautious with certain things. For example, I'm not a huge fan of the game, but Buffalo's laying a lot of points at Miami. They're laying a touchdown on the road. This is a divisional game. These are familiar opponents. Fitzpatrick can be a capable quarterback at times. Buffalo isn't exactly the most explosive offense. That's a lot of points right there. I wouldn't be surprised if Miami shocked the world in that one. I wouldn't be surprised if the Jets surprised the um, 49ers a little bit. Richard Sherman is out. The, the offense for San Francisco is banged up. 
every which way. They're laying seven points on the road. I don't like the Jets much at all, but I would just be cautious with some of these games. If you want a couple I'm looking at, I would take the four points with the Patriots at Seattle. You're looking at that, you're thinking, man, it's only four. It's cross country. It's early in the season for the road trip, and Seattle's not going to have the vaunted 12th man. That is a huge home field advantage that they will not have. Cam Newton was very capable in week one. I somehow find myself betting against the Seahawks on a consistent basis and losing, so maybe you want to take that one with a grain of salt, but I will take the four with New England in that spot. I'm also going to bet the over in Minnesota and Indianapolis. It's about 48.5. That Viking secondary looks horrible against Aaron Rodgers they couldn't generate much of a pass rush the cornerbacks were out of position all day long you're gonna see Phillip Rivers and the Colts put some points up they lost that game to Jacksonville but they still rolled up almost 450 yards of offense so the Colts are gonna get theirs Colts defense was shaky against Gardner Minshew who was like 19 of 20 in that game at one point I'd play the over in that game as well all right let's get oh good one more I was a lot of questions Joe a lot of questions for me Joe fire away Rams at Eagles Okay, uh, when you think about Philly, minus one. Interesting, though, considering the Rams beat the, beat the Cowboys, the way they played, their defensive line, Aaron Donald, the beast, the Eagles' offensive line decimated. You know, how's that going to affect Carson Wentz? What do you think about that? you got to run the football if you're Philadelphia. I don't know what they were thinking with Doug Peterson. They're up 17 nothing against Washington, and they only had 17 rushing attempts in that game. you got to put your quarterback in a better position to win games. This is one of the more intriguing games of the week because on the look-ahead line, Philadelphia was a four-and-a-half-point favorite. It's now down as low as Pickham at some spots. This is that overreaction I'm talking about. People love the Rams because they beat the Cowboys. We talked about it last week. The Rams were the right side. They go out, they win that game. Now they've got to travel cross-country. It's an early start time for their bodies it's 10 a.m on the east coast um i I would be cautious the the eagle injuries worry me but if i'm doing anything there i'm taking philadelphia i'm an eagles fan at heart so people are going to call it a homer pick i completely understand that but the line has moved too much i'd side with philadelphia there all right let's get to our callers 888-SAY-ESPN 888-729-3776 for joe sportenbaugh espn daily wager host you can hear him saturdays on game day on ESPN Radio. All right, Rick in Long Island, you're up, and you're talking about tonight's game, right? Thanks, thanks so much for taking my call, guys. Appreciate it. Um, so I like the Bengals tonight, and I wouldn't be surprised if they won outright. Uh, I think six points is a lot for a team uh, that looked pretty decent considering they have a quarterback that played in his first game. And Cleveland has been just nothing but a disappointment, not only for the better part of three decades, but you know, Baker Mayfield may be the fourth best quarterback from that draft that he was in, even though he went first overall. I think six points is a lot, but I think that uh, you got to feel better to this week if you're a Bengals fan rather than being a Browns fan. Joe? All right, very interesting assessment there, talking about how Cleveland uh, has been such a big disappointment. Same with Cincinnati. This this game is an advertisement for any alcohol out there whatsoever <laughs> with these two going against one another. I got to tell you, Cincinnati can't find a way to win playoff games either. We talked about it off the top. I would lay the six with Cleveland. The look-ahead line adjustment from eight and a half to six is too big for me. I think Cleveland wants to run the ball, and that's going to play right into their hands tonight because Cincinnati ranks 32nd in run defense last year. Uh, the Chargers just ran for a buck fifty-five against them on Sunday. My man Tyler Foljam, who I work with on Daily Wager, he likes the Nick Chubb over prop as well. It's about seventy and a half rushing yards. I think that's a strong play. I will not be playing the Bengals tonight, but again, laying the money with Cleveland, it wouldn't surprise me in the least if I ended up losing there. You're not joking about the Bengals having won a playoff game in thirty years. Brandon in Phoenix, you're on ESPN Radio. Say this one a little slow because this one's a little complicated. <laughs> Roger that. Good morning, guys. Thanks for taking the call. Um, 
I have two separate uh, two-team parlays I wanted to ask about. Number one is uh, the Vikings' money line plus the over at Indianapolis. Um, you know, you look at uh, you look at how that Indian Jacksonville game went out. Jacksonville, I, I would say, has a better defense um, at least right now. Um, you look at both of the points that those teams put up last week. I, I, I think that's going to be kind of a surprising shootout. Um, and then the second one is another two parlay: uh, the Saints money line plus the under in Las Vegas. Joe, what's a parlay? Real quick. All right, a parlay, he's taking two teams or two bets, putting them together. You bet a little to win a lot. You throw down maybe 60 bucks. you can come back and win, depending on your odds, maybe 180 The thing mm-hmm. is, you need to win every leg of the parlay in order to cash that ticket. So, for example... He's taking the Vikings money line, which means the Vikings need to win outright. They're at Indianapolis. They are catching three, but he's going to go money line. He's also taking the over. So both those bets need to win for the parlay to hit. I like the over. I don't trust Minnesota's secondary at all. Indianapolis rolled up 445 yards of offense against Jacksonville last week. I think they'll be able to move. I think Minnesota's going to be able to move against Indianapolis, so the points are there. I don't have much of a lean on the side. I don't, the, the Colts really disappointed me last week. Phillip Rivers got Phillip Rivers. He's going to do his thing in the fourth quarter, and he did it again. So I'm a little bit iffy on the side. When you talk about the other one with the Saints and the under – I can see those teams hanging points in that game. I don't trust the Saints on Monday Night Football. I'm going to be honest. A lot of people don't like this opinion. They think I'm just getting people riled up. I think Drew Brees is just managing games at this point in his career. Now, that doesn't mean I don't think Drew Brees is a first bout Hall of Famer and one of the best to ever do it. But look at what they asked him to do against Tampa. It's a lot of checkdowns. It's a lot of screens. His yards per attempt was around 5.5. If that was his season-long yards per attempt last year, it ranked 33rd in the NFL. Mitchell Trubisky was 6.1, and he ranked 32nd. Breeze is very smart. He makes good decisions, but they're not asking him to win games. They're laying a lot of points on the road. Iffy, iffy situation, but I I, I might side with the Raiders opening up that new building here in Vegas. That'll be on Monday Night Football. The Saints and the Raiders will do this again every single Thursday. Joe, thank you very much. Out the door, lay half a point with the Celtics in the first quarter tonight. Miami's great at closing games, but they start slow. They start slow. The Celtics are down 0-1. I think they come out hot. Lay half a point with Boston in the first quarter against Miami tonight. Mm. Bonus pick. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, boys. Have a good one. Great to see you. Still to come, the NFL's best insider on what exactly is going on between OBJ and the Browns with Cleveland in action tonight against Cincinnati for the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot com.
Those are the words of Damian Woody. He joined us this morning on Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin. He also used the words DEFCON 1. If the Browns lose, it is going to be a tough situation in Cleveland on Friday. Mm. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Let's head right to the Shell Pennzoil performance line where Chris Bosch will join us at 9.30 a.m. Adam Schefter, the NFL's best insider, is up first. Of course, the host of the Adam Schefter podcast. Download it anywhere you get podcasts. Tonight, Browns, Adam, how are things right now between OBJ and the organization? Well, listen, I think there's a disconnect. There's been a disconnect between OBJ and Baker Mayfield. For whatever reason, those two guys can't seem to get on the same page. And we're waiting to see the best of Baker Mayfield and the best of Odell Beckham Jr. And we haven't seen the best of either when they've played together for whatever reason. They just don't seem to connect so far to have the type of success that Cleveland wants, that the Browns need to become a really strong team in the AFC North, the kind of team that Browns fans want and that we thought we might see. just hasn't happened yet. And Odell Beckham Jr. is still waiting to get on track in Cleveland. Again, so far, it has not worked out the way people thought it would. But again, it's early in the season. Adam, uh, New York Jets CEO Christopher Johnson kind of came out yesterday and gave an early vote of confidence to Adam Gase, head coach of the Jets. What does that say? Is it good or is it bad that you get that this early? I don't think it's anything. I think, look, Key, you know what it's like to play in New York. You know how hysterical that city gets over its teams. And the Jets looked abysmal in week one. They looked awful. It was embarrassing. But the fact of the matter is it's one game. It's one game in Buffalo when the team didn't have a preseason, didn't have an offseason program, traded away Jamal Adams. And I think people have forgotten that this team went 6-2 and two down the stretch in the second half of last year, that it's early in this year. And again, all... Christopher Johnson is saying, and he's right, is that they need to see progress. They're not going to judge Adam Gase right now, not going to fire him right now. I know New York is hysterical and Jets fans are depressed. You're getting emails and texts from Jet fans that they they can't stand it anymore. It's one week, man. One week. Okay. (laughs) Let's see how it is after two or three weeks. Okay. If they're not progressing and they lose the way they did in Buffalo for two, three straight more weeks, there's a problem. Okay, I think everybody's unnoticed. They're smart enough to pay attention. They know what's going on, but it's one week. Okay, we don't hear anything in Indianapolis about the Colts losing to the Jaguars. We don't hear anything about the Eagles losing to the Redskins. Come, a Washington football team. Again, one week. Let's see how it plays out in the coming weeks, and let's see if this team can progress or not. And then, then let's get hysterical if it can't. Shefty, what's the latest on Chris Godwin, who is in concussion protocol before their game against the Panthers this weekend? Yeah, Jay, he's going to have to go through all the protocols and all the tests to see if he can be cleared for Sunday's game against the Carolina Panthers. The Bucs could use him out there. It's the home opener. Tom Brady will want him to have him out there. But we know how this works. You get into that protocol, very difficult to predict. They thought he was fine coming out of the game, and then it seemed like he wasn't yesterday midweek and so didn't practice, and we'll see whether he can get through that this weekend. Uh, Adam, week two starts tonight in the NFL, and on Twitter you have some great news, I would say. What is the NFL thinking right now after the first week? You know, Key, I think this is a very underrated storyline, but if we go back to last week, the Texans and Chiefs kicked off the season one week ago tonight. And those were the players and coaches and employee members, team members that were all tested. 
And it takes five days to get back test results. Five days. All the COVID testing results have come back on the Texans and Chiefs. Nobody tested positive. Now, everybody was waiting to see how a week would go with travel, with hotels, with contact on the field, with all sorts of situations that basically were different than the virtual bubbles that the NFL team set up. And there wasn't a Texans or Chiefs player who tested positive. Now, the NFL tested all the teams, the two teams, last Thursday, as they will with every team, obviously. They tested the people at the stadium. There was one Tier 3 employee, a stadi- someone who worked in the stadium that had the virus, did not get anywhere near the players. The league has isolated that particular individual. But in terms of the Chiefs and the Texans, zero positive tests from last Thursday's game, which is a great sign for the NFL, the NFL Players Association. They've done a great job handling this so far. No mm. question. And a great stat there with those negative tests. Adam, we'll have you on again next week, and you can check out the Adam Schefter podcast anywhere you get podcasts. Adam, thanks a lot. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Same to you. Still to come, the Big Ten is back. Adam went to Michigan. He's a Big Ten guy. But what about the Pac-12? Moving closer to a return than you might think. That's next. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio.